Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle. We are a couple of missionaries with Acts 29, and this is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. Happy Fourth of July, Mary. Happy Fourth of July to you too, Father John. So we got a, uh, hopefully, a, a, a timely topic for yeah. folks in these uh, summer months, this time when I pray uh, folks are taking an opportunity to to rest a little bit, get away. I know uh, we in Acts 29 are doing that, especially this week. We try to give uh, one another the gift of uh, a chance just to breathe and to kind of close up shop a little bit. So what's our topic? Our topic today is the physician is the medicine. Ooh, the physician is the medicine. Mm. Let's pray, shall we? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Father, we do thank you for uh, the many gifts that you have so lavishly uh, bestowed upon us for the gift of life. Um, we thank you in a special way for the gift of this land that we are able to live in, uh, for the many freedoms that we enjoy. Especially today as we, uh, as we celebrate the 4th of July, we thank you most especially for the freedom that your son has won for us, the freedom from the power of death, the freedom from the power of sin, the freedom um, that we have to be for you and for others uh, because of these things that we've been rescued from. Lord, we just ask that you'd pour out your grace upon us right now, that we would, uh, even in this conversation, that we would experience your son, Jesus, calling us into deeper and deeper friendship, not just with him, but with you and with your spirit. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, you know, let me just maybe set this up, tell you how I, um, what I've been meditating myself on. So we, we mentioned that these days are, are a time for us and acts to just kind of shut down a little bit and kind of get a chance to breathe because there's there's a constant temptation to get caught up in busyness. Albert was talking about this the other day at the office and 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 to find our identity in our busyness, um, our worth in our busyness, and sometimes uh, for at least for many of us uh, that can get a little out of control, right? And so. These last couple of days, the, the readings at Mass have been so powerful. Uh, the reading Sunday with the sending of the 72, which includes the command to go and heal. A um, couple of days before that in daily Mass, the reading from the Gospel of Matthew and the calling of Matthew. So I've just been meditating on those, and, and the Lord's been speaking to me powerfully about um, just reminding me, like, the call on my life as a priest isn't functional, uh, a, a good friend of mine told me that one time. He just reminded me, you know, like, he said to me, John, like, Jesus didn't call you to go do something. He, he called you out of love and out of friendship. And I don't know about you, but I continually find that hard to believe. I think all of us, uh, Father John, find that um, maybe we're still stuck in that mindset that we have to earn his love. Yeah. And um, it delights him. Uh, for us just to enter into his company, and that's sufficient just to be with him. And and while work, you know, the, you know, the balance of ministry and prayer and all of that's really important. The primacy is simply on you. You you would say this oftentimes, Father, on wasting time. Yeah, wasting time with Jesus. Yeah, people used to get offended by that expression because they thought I was somehow saying like prayer's a waste of time, but that's not at all what I mean. Wasting time is because time is so precious. It's the one thing that we we uh, we tend to hoard, and so to waste time with someone that you love—in this case, God, 
um, is like the ultimate expression of like how much the relationship means. And I, I think for those of us too, you know, Father John, who who have stepped away from, um, you know, work or ministry or whatever it might be, are finding that as you sit back and you waste time with the Lord, um, you find yourself being filled back up again. And, and you, you know, you, you had said, you know, folks had difficulty with that term, wasting time with Jesus, but there was another wise man who said not too long ago, it was like three or four years ago, in a book that uh, many of us have come to love, he said that time is the currency of friendship. Mm. And, and, and that applies to, you know, among people, but ultimately the greatest friendship, the friendship that is healing, that makes us whole, that draws us into communion, that friendship is with Jesus Christ, right? Yep. Amen. Amen. So, you know, we, we, one of the things that we do in Acts 29 is we lead retreats for presbyterates. Uh, so, if you don't know what a presbyterate is, that's the, the, the gathering of priests in a particular diocese. So it's usually, you know, three, four day retreat. And, and a couple of the days are always the same. Uh, one of the days I just kind of preach the gospel. And then you immediately follow that up with uh, a, a really powerful, profound day on healing. And, you know, people have commented oftentimes that, um, you know, I preach a very masculine Christianity. Uh, Jesus is Lord, which, you know, isn't unique to, to me or to us, obviously, but um, and, and then on the heels of that comes along this very maternal, complementary um, proclamation that you do in this healing day. And if there's a, a line that summarizes what I'm doing as I preach the gospel, it's that uh, Jesus isn't just kind. Um, and then if there's a line that kind of summarizes what you do, it's, but he is. <laughs> you know, so like Jesus isn't just kind, he's unconquerable, but he is kind. And I th- it's, it's such an important distinction to hear, too, because while he is Lord and he reigns and he is sovereign, you and I are able to sit here today and y'all who are listening are able to sit there and listen to this conversation because Jesus is kind, yeah. because he is merciful, because, because he is compassionate. And we need to know that to step into that place so he can come into those places in our lives where we often feel like we have so failed and bungled and made a mess of things so that he can come in and bring us that healing and restoration because most of us oftentimes feel disqualified. Yeah. But his kindness, um, and it, I think it's uh, even David in the Psalms who, who, who acknowledges that it is the kindness of God, the gentleness of God that has made him great. Yeah, I love it when you, when and you if the bring king, up that line. And if King David can say that, that that, that attribute yeah. of the Father is what made him great um, so much more for each of us. Yeah, and so, you know, there, we talk a lot about part of the mission of discipleship mm-hmm. is to go and heal, but, but I think what we really want to just focus on right now is the fact that though that's true, it's worth, especially given the gospel that we, we heard with the calling of Matthew last week in Daily Mass, let's watch how Jesus heals. And we've talked a little bit about this before in, uh, there's a great commentary uh, called The Memoirs of Peter, which is a, both a new translation and a new commentary on the gospel of Mark. But we want to invite people, I, I've always thought like as a priest, one of my tasks is to try to help point people to great sources for reading and for prayer. And man, if there's a better source uh, for the Gospel of Matthew than the book by uh, Mary Caucus, the four-volume commentary on the Gospel of Matthew called, uh, what's it called again? The Fire of Mercy, Heart of the Word. I always get that uh, title backwards, so thanks. And so it, I, I just we just want to share some, some texts 
from this and, and just reflect on it and then end with just, I think, an appeal from Jesus, not from you and me, but from Jesus mm-hmm. to all of us, starting with you and, you me, and me for these uh, for these days. Huh? So remember the gospel. So Matthew, not a good guy. You know, the, the chosen is just such a helpful visual for so many of us and, and his call, the way it's portrayed in there. But Matthew's a Matthew's a traitor. This guy is like way on the margins of society. He's not like an IRS agent, no offense to IRS agents. Um, He's a tax collector, which means he is in collusion with the Roman Empire, who is occupying Israel, and oh, by the way, um, giving the the Jewish people the, the gift of paying the Romans to occupy their homeland. So this guy is gone. You know, he is, he's the least likely candidate for a disciple of Jesus. And then, of course, the gospel says that Jesus saw him sitting at his tax collector's booth, and he calls him to follow him. And immediately afterwards is this dinner party, which in The Chosen uh, takes place in Matthew's house. Um, Mary Caucus, in his commentary, argues that it's probably Peter's house. Uh, We don't know whose house it is, but there's a party. And so we just want to rip this open a little bit and share a couple of reflections from Mary Caucus and just invite people to linger with this and not so much to see it only as um, what Jesus was doing with Matthew, but what Jesus is inviting us to, right? Because scripture is not just a description of what happened. It's a description of what's always happening. Like God wants to do this in my life right now, hard as it can be for me sometimes to believe that he's calling me to friendship, right? Amen. You know, and Father John, even as you set this up, um, I know when I have prayed with this passage before on many occasions, like I, I longed to be at that table with that group of friends, you know. Um, I would like to think that he would have called me out of my muck and mess to come to that dinner party and to watch what he does. Yeah. You know, we often say too when we're, when we're leading uh, the priest on retreat that this isn't only a dinner party. It can also be considered a house call yeah. um, because those at the par- at, at the dinner party are sick and in need, right? Yeah. So, so consider this podcast yeah. episode a house call. Yeah. We're I love just that. gonna we're just gonna do it by uh, by stealing everything from Mary Caucus because I don't have any original thoughts, but I say that all the time. <laughs> so listen to these. Just just wherever you are, you know, like just invite you to close your eyes, kind of enter into this space. If you're driving, don't do that, but. Um, um, just maybe go back and uh, if, you, if you are driving, listen to this, find a way to like pull this part back up and let it be a rich reflection for prayer this week. And listen to these insightful words from, um, from Mary Caucus. He says, salvation, and you're always prone to point out that the word that's translated as salvation or save can also be translated as healing, healing right? So salvation and healing are related words. They come from the same Greek root, right? So salvation or healing begins by our being seen by Jesus. Like even now, just listen to that. Like the Lord right now is looking at you, at at us, right? Individually. By his turning toward us, his compassionate eyes. So wherever you may be right now, maybe maybe you're not in a good spot. Maybe you feel like, ah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think this can be true for me. Well, wherever you are, you're probably not in as bad a spot as Matthew was. 
Even um, if I can just um, say this real quick, Father John, um, elsewhere in Maricacus's commentary on another passage, he has this great image that um, Jesus is always on the horizon with his hands like over mm-hmm. his eyes, looking for each and every one of us. And that should give us great hope, not only for ourselves, most especially ourselves, but for those loved ones that we pray for constantly, that Jesus is already on the horizon, pursuing them, looking for them, just as Matthew's gaze caught Jesus's gaze, was captivated by, captivated by that gaze of mercy, so too he's on the horizon looking for each and every one it of us. makes me think of that other scene in The Chosen, which we just keep referring to this uh, series, but remember Nathaniel, who's under the tree, who's like every person that I know, like, He's had a crisis in his, his his professional life for others of us, maybe it's some other kind of crisis, and his prayer is simply, do you see me? Yes. And, and the Lord, right, so if that's you right now, just know the Lord says, yes, mm. I see you. It's beautiful. And he goes on to say, Mary Caucus again, reclining at table. So, so Matthew hears Jesus' invitation, he follows him, and then boom, immediately there's a meal. He says, reclining at table with Jesus to share a meal with him and his friends is Matthew's first experience as a disciple. He leaves everything to follow Jesus. And at once, his Lord admits him to intimacy. Matthew exchanges the tax collector's bench for the banqueting table. In doing so, he passes from being the petty servant of the Roman occupant to enjoying the condition of guests and fellow reveler of the Son of God. That's, that's the invitation right now. Like the Lord, wherever you are, wherever we are at this very moment, the Lord is saying, you remember that passage in Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Mm-hmm. And if anyone hears my voice and, and opens to me, I will come in and we will have fellowship together, right? That's right. So he, he goes on to say this intimate dinner, probably at Peter's house, which the chief of apostles has opened up permanently to the Lord Jesus and any chosen friends of his, presents an important symbolic element of Jesus's ministry. And and this has been so timely for me because as we were saying earlier, it's easy to get caught in busyness, you know, for all of us. He says, it is the private aspect of the public life, an eloquent image of what it is Jesus is inviting people to do when he asks them to leave everything and follow him. Jesus is inviting those he chooses to forsake worldly concerns and busyness, a circular routine of habits and prejudices leading nowhere in order to recline with him and his friends in the joy of breaking bread with the eternal word. Now this doesn't mean like, you know, go be lazy, or, you know, like give up your job necessarily for all of us. Some of us, we, we left our jobs to come follow him. But it does mean put first things first, That's right? True. Put prayer first. And then you, you, I know you love this next line because you've, you've, you, you've written all over it in the commentary. But yeah, what's the Lord say I about discipleship? It. So um, uh, this is how Maricacus defines discipleship. It's just a home run line. And he writes, the deepest meaning of Christian discipleship is not to work for Jesus, but to be with Jesus. That should give all of us like, like 
pause to stop and really think about that. And, you know, how often do we say, Father John, that we can't give to others what we don't have? And so, you know, prayer is where we go to the well in the morning and we ask the Lord to fill us up with all the graces, with everything that we need today as we minister to people. That's to be with Jesus, to go out and give that away. And, and um, like oftentimes, you know, well, kid, like, you know, who's your boss? Well, I work for Jesus, right? right? right. Um, but, but, but the task, the call, the invitation is constantly just to slow down and to come away and to be with him, to think and pray yeah. with him, with the Father, to be filled again with the Spirit. Um, it's just a beautiful definition. That yeah. And, and the church fun. is supposed to be that community of people who just love being to with be, the Lord and with each other, right? I mean, and I don't think that's how people understand the church. I'm thinking of... First John, uh, in the beginning of his letter, where he just says, you know, what we've seen, what we've touched, what we've handled, what we've heard, you know, we, we proclaim this to you so that you might have fellowship with us, you know, in a, in a world which is longing for community. Uh, tragically, I don't think people experience the church as a place of intimate communion with, with God and with each other, but that's what this is supposed to, is supposed to be, right? So, Mary Caucus, so some of us are probably objecting, yeah, 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 but you don't, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm struggling with. You don't know what my past is. Uh, you don't know what I'm dealing with right now. So listen to these rich words and find great comfort here uh, from what Mary Caucus says. Jesus' holiness and nothing else makes him seek the company of the unholy. The sick need a doctor. And Jesus, outdoing the devotion of any human physician, goes forth to search out the sick and restore them to life without interrogation. As surely as a good doctor cares for a sick man, God embraces the sinner who presents himself as such. God cannot do otherwise. And then I love this. Listen to this. Another name for this illness of sin is alienation from God, exile from God. And so the image of sinners flocking to the house where Jesus is reclining presents a wonderful scene of the return to God of the wayward. In the Christian mystery, the illness of sin cannot be healed by an intervention from the outside that simply restores to order certain imbalances within the soul of the affected person. The illness of sin is a malady of love, an affliction brought about by the separation of a man from the source of his life, its chief symptom is a frozen heart. That's such a mighty line. I mean, there is, there, there is so much there, Father John, even as I hear you um, almost prayerfully leading us through that, it makes me want to like encourage everybody to go get this commentary, listen to this podcast again, Take it with you to chapel and just sit with the rich food. There are a couple things that strike me, Father John. Even as you were talking about, you said Jesus' holiness and nothing else makes him seek the company of the unholy. That's us, mm. right? And and um, uh, it made me think of this line uh, that, that I think we've long loved. It's um, something akin to like um, Dr. Tim Keller uh, speaks of it. He says it, it's our helplessness, mm. not our holiness, that attracts us to Jesus. It's like um, the aches of our heart, the aches of our human heart are what attracts the Father's heart 
to mm. us. Yeah. And, and there's just something about saying, hey, you know what? I have a need. Yeah. And, 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 and as you said earlier, I mean, the, the, the title of this conversation is The Physician is the remedy right which is where we're going to for the big the really big finish right take it away come on now so here's this last money paragraph right so jesus is not a physician therefore who can intervene heal and walk away from his patient and i think a lot of times you know we talk about this at the office a lot um we, we have this image, this really horribly distorted image of, okay, I need, I need Jesus to kind of like fix me and then, hey, I'm good, I got it from here. That's not the Christian life because the Christian life isn't about getting repaired to like go off on our own. The Christian life, again, is this invitation into rich fellowship, friendship, communion with God and with each other. So he says the life of his patient depends on a permanent relationship with the doctor who heals him, and here's the line. The medicine is the physician himself. His words, his glance, his love, his presence. This physician is himself the only food that can heal alienation from God. And so, you know, the the, the invitation this week from, you know, from, from you and me, I think, to one another, to the rest of our team, to, to anybody who's listening, but even more, the invitation from God to us, like God's agenda for my life this week, God's agenda for your life this week, is come sit down with me. Like, I just want to hang out with you. Like, which is just amazing. Like, the creator of the universe somehow, for some reason, like, likes my company. That's unfathomable, right? But it's true. Like, he loves being with me, and he loves being with you. And, and in that time, you know, that, that, that we press in to be with the Lord, we may not even be cognizant of the healing that's happening in that time. Mm. Because to be with him itself is healing. And if I can just make a, a, a quick point, you know, you had said that if God will just get me through this, if you can just take care of this area of my life, then I'm all good. You yeah. know, I, 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 I'm... I can drive again and I can move you over into the passenger seat. I think sometimes, Father John, we can get into this mindset, I can get into this mindset that, that, that Jesus wants to fix us. This isn't about fixing. Mm. This is about being in a healing relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, we talk about our podcast being um, where we talk about everything about transformation in the church. Transformation begins with me. It begins with you. It begins with each and every one of us, right? And so it's not it's not a desire to get fixed. It's it's to be with the one who can bring total healing and transformation. Yeah, it's a desire for friendship, yeah. which is what God somehow, for some reason, wants with us. And that's what the church is supposed that's to be, right. this place where friendship with God and profound friendship with each other is experienced. So the simple invitation this week is maybe some of us have gotten out of the habit of praying and the Lord's just saying, hey, let's put first things first again and just come sit down with me. You know, maybe it's something as simple as 15 minutes a day with him, whether it's in the quiet of your home or uh, finding him in in a chapel where you can sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Maybe for others of us, it's a return to a holy hour every day. Mm -hmm. But whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and maybe for some of us, it's, my prayer has become dry and routine, and I do a lot of talking, and I'm not doing a lot of listening, and I'm not just letting the Lord gaze at me. You know, and, and to that point, I want to just maybe say one more thing. 
um, um, I came across this line um, not even a week ago, and it said that the first part of your holy hour, so maybe a half hour, is simply to be silent. And I thought, wow, right? Because we start to move into that conversation. Then I'm getting an F. Well, me too. That's why I'm bringing this up. I thought, wow, I, I really have to, I have to kind of go back and look at how it is I'm navigating my holy hour Amen. too, just to be in silence, right? So enjoy friendship with God this week because that's what he's created us for. And because that's true, God wants to be your friend. Do not be afraid. He's with you and you were born for this.